everybody. This guess what time it is? It's time for the two half squads, the one and only podcast dedicated one hundred percent to the greatest game in the world, ASL. That's right. Who's that strange voice? Guess hey. who's? Yes, tell us who you are. <laughs> are, you pa- are you Pedro? Tell us who Ramos? you are and why you're here. I'm his brother, Dave Ramirez. <laughs> Dave Ramirez is back, back with a vengeance. And because the fans loved the show you guys did last time, yeah. also he brought with him our good friend. Rich Spilkey's back. I'm glad to be back again. Yeah, this and is great. We were talking about t-shirts, and Rich is wearing the Velkomen in Chicago shirt, which is the open shirt. He has it early because he knows people. Yeah. I'm connected. Yes, you it are. It has the Sears Tower in the back. A street scene of battle in Stalingrad with the Sears Tower in the background. Yeah, it's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, it's it is pretty neat. cool. Now, as cool as my T-shirt, which is the two, two half, half squad T-shirt with Jeff and Dave on it, which yeah. there are no more. We the sold last out. one sold shipped out. last week. Yeah, I will not force anyone else to buy one of these silly blue shirts again. <laughs> it's done. The sale's done. The burden's yeah, off uh, my I back. Can't say I'm sad about it. Although I did order some two half squads return address labels, Jeff. Oh, God. yeah, that, that'll come in I very handy. I do have them for our next sale. Maybe hats. Oh, okay. Hats, yeah, hats would maybe be good. in the summer. Yeah. I do have the cards, the OBA cards that have your pictures on them, so yeah. I get to look at you yep, every day. Those are sold out. Also, we may restock them. We haven't decided yet. You know, uh, this this blue shirt you're wearing. What's on the back? The us broken. It's yeah. I went down the stairs. So I was wearing it. <laughs> I was wearing it to bed. I wore it to bed one night, and my wife said, could you change your shirt? I said, why? She said, I'm, I woke up, and I was looking at Dave Kleinschmidt. <laughs> I would think she would like that. <laughs> Woo, it I frightened her. She would it, like it that. frightened her a little bit. <laughs> so I go to the weight room, and I'm wearing this gorgeous Little Mermaid shirt from my daughter's play. She was a Little Mermaid at a CYT production, and it's a great shirt. And the guy behind the counter, Mike, he's like, what is that shirt? I'm like, oh, Little Mermaid. My, my daughter was in it. He says, I'm taking away your man card. <laughs> and he signs me into the gym, right? So I swear, every, I mean, I wear it random days of the week. I just grab a T-shirt out. And it, he is there every day when I wear that stinking shirt. So I go in this week. Well, just last week, I went in on, like, Wednesday or Tuesday, I had the Little Mermaid. He wasn't there. I'm like, oh, that's a good, good break. Then on Wednesday, I come in with the this shirt, the two half squad, and he he looks at my right away. He's looking at my shirt again to make fun of me. And I'm like, oh, look, Mike, look, look, guys with guns. Look, this is a man, man shirt. shirt. Look at this, look out, look and out. it's me. Look, it's me with gu- with a gun. This is pretty manly, huh? He's like, eh, well, I'll think about giving you your man card back. So I go ahead and lift, and like the next day, I come in again. And he happens to be there two days in a row. And I have the Western Illinois purple shirt with the leather neck and the bulldog, right? Because my daughter goes to Western. I'm like, Mike, Mike, look at my shirt. Look at this. Bulldog, leather neck. So it's like the Marines, you know? <laughs> he's like, yeah, I'll still think about giving you your man card back. So. Well, he's tough to please. Boy, he, he is. Really I guess is. I wore that. Tough he, audience. He said, I never want to see that little mermaid shirt on you again. Yeah. So I think I should keep it. In the car, and if he's there, I should run out and change into it just to torment him. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. Well, um, we're glad to have Mr. Ramirez and Mr. Spilky back. We got so much good press uh, uh, response from the last episode when they were on. Huge. We decided to have him back, and for this week, we have chairs for you. 
So you you may so sit. We're you may sit. And, we're moving up yeah, in class. You, don't, you can sit down now. It's like a yeah, battle roll. We uh, yeah. You know, what do you call that? Battle hardening. Battle hardening. Battle hardening. So now we get chairs. We get chairs. Yeah. Good. Hey, I want to take advantage of my new battle hardened status and pick a bone with you guys. Yeah. Uh, not not with Dave Ramirez, but with you, Dave, and with you, Jeff. Can I leave the Can room? We just no, 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 hear it, Dave. I want you to hear it. Oh. I'm upset with you. Oh. Both of you. Oh man, again. I went out of my way for the good of the two half squad program to take my my half squad t shirt with <laughs> oh, me. Oh yes, yes. To the ends of the earth. Ends. Rich is go on, Rich. I, you are right. Like like five years ago or four years ago, we went on an Alaskan cruise, my family and I. We took a helicopter trip to a glacier way up north, and I took my coat off and froze my butt off and took a photograph of the two half squads and I even recorded the coordinates, the latitude northness. If that's the right word. Yes, I think it is. I, I think that's the official term. You. And then just this summer, my family and I went on another trip. I was down uh, in the southern Caribbean. I was 12 degrees north, just a few miles north of Venezuela. Again, not that's not super far south. I'm sure other people could go further south if they wanted to. It's not a huge challenge to overcome that, but it is the furthest south that there's evidence of a two-half squad shirt sure, going. Yeah. And I sent you that photograph with the coordinates and you know you haven't posted it as far as i know and i want to lay out a challenge there to the two half squad community point blank right at you guys yeah you can beat me but the stake is in the ground try to beat it so All listeners right. should try to travel further north or further south with the half two half squads t-shirt either the first edition t-shirt with the orange logo or the second edition t-shirt with me carrying a gun and jeff on it but definitely Very not manly. the Little Mermaid version. Not the Little Mermaid version. <laughs> not sure. that one this will disqualify right, you. But, but they the take pro- a picture, right, they send it right. to us, and they win. I don't Some, know what they win. Something special. They win glory and honor. <laughs> glory and honor. <laughs> wow. I mean, you know, the purpose of it is is to spread the good word of the two half squads throughout the earth. I mean, that's really what this is about, isn't it? And we thank you. Yes. Yeah. And I'm doing my best. I mean, I only got it to 12 degrees north latitude. I'm sure someone can go further south than that. But, hey, I did my part. Yes. It's somebody else's turn. So yeah. we better get that picture posted probably with this episode. Yes, we will. If we remember. And Rich has thrown <laughs> yeah. down the gauntlet. And so, and is, so get snapping, people. Yeah. Travel get those, north or travel south. Yeah. With your two half squat shirt. So St. Louis is not is not probably far enough far enough south to probably, count. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. But we have listeners in Australia. That's they, south. Do they have two half squad shirts down there? Um, I sent something to Australia. Did you? Yeah, I don't remember. Well, if they've already got cards. a half squad shirt there, they can beat it easily. It we just need to cards, see it. Though. We need to see it. Deck. Yeah. Okay. But all right. Well, the challenge good, is laid. The challenge is out there. And if nobody responds, then Rich, you're, you're going to win something really. I'm going to win really the big prize. Nice. The big prize. Something <laughs> nice. I can hardly wait. Yeah. So what have we been? Uh, what are we going to talk about tonight, Dave? With well, I think Mr. Spilkey, being the analytical, keen mind that he is has brought some statistical information for us to enlighten and delight us. Yes, well, thank you for that intro. Let me uh, talk about what I brought. So a while back, in fact, a year ago, we dug up an old email that, that we had exchanged, uh, Jeff and I, about a year ago, almost exactly a year ago at yeah. this time. And he had asked at that time for you know future shows, are there any good mathematical, analytical, statistical articles that have been written in the past that I was aware of? And I knew there were, but of course I didn't know what they were off the top of my head. So I dug through a lot of my old magazines that I have from the 90s, mostly. Generals. The generals. uh, The annuals, journals. FFE, Route Report, some journals. 
and I'm sure there's more than this, but at the time, I identified 10 articles that had statistics or percentages or various mathematically oriented uh, analytics, and I sent him that note. Well, we never really got around to sharing these on your program, and so we decided that we could maybe begin that today, and if there's some interest, we could you know pursue the other ones. But I did bring two along today. These two both have to do with pretty straightforward statistics. They're not that complicated, so I thought we'd start off with something pretty straightforward. And this first topic is ambush, the topic of ambush. And there's two articles on it. The first one was written uh, by the Route Report way back when, version 2, issue 4. So what year is that? Let's see. Does it show what year this is? It should. We're going to talk about statistics, Dave. Yes, we are. I know, this is exciting. Isn't that crazy? I don't know the year. I'll look for it. No. But there's an article there, and there's a very similar article that's even more in-depth. It's in uh, journal number 4, starting on page 9. And that's an even much more in-depth article than the route report is, but they're both covering the same topic. Mm-hmm. And so it's about ambush roll. And as you guys know, you know the, if you roll the single die in, in ambush, and let's just say there's zero modifiers in this example, if one side gets three or more less than the opposing side, then he has ambushed mm-hmm. his opponent. And that's the only time in squad leader that I'm aware of where you do this differential thing with, with a single die from each player. I don't think there are any other events in squad leader where you do that. So it's kind of unique. And so this uh, table that's in the route report, and there's a similar table in the journal article, uh, just basically gives the uh, odds of an ambush happening with various dialer modifiers. So the most straightforward case is when there's no mods, zero, or there's a net zero, like both sides have the same modification. So in that case, there's a 17% chance that the attacker will ambush the defender, there's an equal 17% chance that the defender will ambush the attacker, and there's a 66% chance, approximately two-thirds percentage chance, that there'll be no ambush when there's no mods. But what's really interesting from a tactical point of view, as you move up and down the chart here that they give us, if you have just a minus one advantage, you know, net, yeah, like let's say I'm stealthy, or I have a minus one leader, uh, that one minus one average kicks my percentage of ambushing up from 17 all the way up to 28%. Almost, uh, not quite doubling it, but, you know, quite a bit more. Furthermore, the odds of me becoming ambushed drop, according to this chart, and I think it's right, from 17% to 8%. So that single minus hmm. one mod... Yeah, it's a small really modifier, you. but it's a it's a small die. It's a six-sided dice, right? So That's it's right. going to have yeah. a bigger effect. So one difference. Good point. And so this chart gives the percentages of being ambushed or successfully ambushing or no ambush at all taking place you know, by different net modifiers. Another interesting statistic, if you look at it again, compared to a plus one... Let's say I'm going to an ambush, but there's like a plus one against me in the, in the net ambush roll. Then my odds of ambushing, I guess, are you know kind of the reverse. Now I only have an 8% chance. So what I'm trying to say is the difference between an 8% chance when I have a plus one going into an ambush and a 28% chance of ambushing when I have a minus one advantage, you know, that's a three and a half or 350% difference. That is a huge difference 
from going from a minus one to a plus one. So I just wanted to point that out to the listeners. I was shocked myself. I mean, I guess I kind of knew it intuitively, but I never did the math. Yeah. And in reading this article, I, it really you know brought that home to me. Yeah. So. And who wrote that article? That's a great question. Let's see. Who wrote the article in the route report? It probably says, and I just can't see it. I can look for it while you yeah, would you look go to the, the next, next article? chart. Yeah, and who wrote that next article? I've yeah. read that in the journal. Yeah, this is a good one in the journal. So I, this one's clearly written by uh, David Ole. He did a very good job. There's some nice little graphs and there's some nice examples. So just to refresh folks' memory, I think most people know this, but you know, there's certain times when an ambush roll takes place and there's certain times when it doesn't. So he reminds us in his article that when one side or the other is concealed, regardless of terrain and they advance into close combat or get ambushed or get advanced onto, if one of the units or one of the sides is concealed, at least one, that's an ambush opportunity. Or if the defender is in a woods or building hex, and then with the PTO terrain, jungle, kunai, and bamboo, those are all ambush terrain. Now, rubble is not ambush terrain except in red barricades. Hmm. Red barricades it is. So that's that could create confusion if you're used to playing red barricades and used to rubble being yeah. ambush terrain. Does it tell the author? Dave? Yeah, let me jump in. Uh, Kurt Martin was the publisher of this. That's where that name is so why it's oh, so yeah. familiar okay, to me. Okay, there you go. I From always know that name because I used to wait for this to come in my mailbox all the time. And interestingly, it says the author of this piece can receive worldwide credit simply writing to us and tell us who he is. So he didn't know. So someone must have submitted the article oh, okay. and had not kept had their name with it somewhere. So. Interestingly enough. So at this point, we do not know. So that's just a reminder of the terrain or the situations when an ambush roll needs to take place. Uh, the other interesting thing is to, to think about is the, the power of an ambush. So there's three really good things that happen if you're the successful ambusher. The first is that it's going to be sequential. You get to attack first which is really important because if you were to eliminate the opponent or even eliminate a portion of his units on your first attack, those units can't add their firepower into the attack against you. They're gone. The second advantage is pretty straightforward. You get a minus one ambush. So not only do you get to attack first, you get an extra minus one on your attack for being the successful ambusher. ambusher. Furthermore, uh, the third advantage of being the successful ambusher is if you're concealed... You can keep your concealment, according to the article, and then you can withdraw afterwards and keep that concealment. Uh, or if you successfully attack and win, you can also withdraw hmm. after the attack and then and not get attacked back. So to win an ambush is really awesome and gives you nothing but good advantages. And so then just getting back to the statistics we talked about a little while ago, it really behooves one to know those numbers and to not take unnecessary risks when you might get ambushed. Uh, and then finally, they give a list of the most common modifiers. So I mentioned stealthy, so like heroes are stealthy, Gurkhas are stealthy, partisans are stealthy. Um, sometimes, you know, the SSR will claim, you know, who the, the side is stealthy. It says here that New Zealand Anzac units are stealthy and Finns are stealthy. Japanese elite and first-line units are stealthy, so quite a number of units are stealthy. Um, concealment's a big one. If you're concealed, that's a minus two on the ambush die roll. Another interesting one to talk about is, uh, like, berserk guys. Berserk guys, you know, they come driving into the hex. 
where they're not driving, they come, they charge into the hex. And berserk eyes are not only berserk, they're also lax. Now, normally, you don't roll for ambush when you have a berserk guy involved because he didn't advance in, he moved in. Right. But if your berserk, if your berserk guy moves in and survives, and you also advance in some other normal units in the advance phase, be careful because your berserker is berserk and he's lax. So you're, now you're adding plus two to your ambush die roll. The ambush die roll won't happen at all if you don't advance any units in there. But if you do advance units in there to help your berserker, you're going to be penalized at least by the plus two. He's going to take you down. He might hurt you on the ambush. We yeah. just got done talking how right. you don't want to be yeah. the ambusher. And the other thing the article talks about is AFVs. AFVs, you know, we talk about the vehicle bypass sleaze, and that's a common tactic. You know, you go into bypass and you can't shoot out of the hex. And then you move up your big stack of infantry with a 9 negative 1 leader or something, and then you want to advance into close combat and get that guy. Well, if you've got an AFV in the hex... It's plus two for AFV on the ambush roll, and plus one for being buttoned up. So you've got plus three. So the odds are, <coughs> excuse me, the odds are you're going to lose the ambush roll. And even if you don't lose the ambush roll, as the attacker in that case, it's still going to be a sequential attack because whenever an AFV is involved, right. the non-AFE gets to attack first. So the vehicle bypass sleaze is great, but it's not without its Problem concerns and problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the article talks about that, and I, I just played a scenario the other day where I had a 447 Russian squad. My opponent had bypassed a hex, not my hex, but one adjacent to me, and he left it there. He, I think he bypassed the guy that used to be there or something. Now, I had to pass a patsy, but I did. I passed the patsy, and I advanced into the stone building location where this guy was in bypass. And so now he had plus three on the ambush roll because he was buttoned up and he's a vehicle. And I did ambush him. So now I had my five close combat value. I get to attack first because it's sequential. And I get the minus one street fighting because he's in bypass of the building. Hmm. And I killed his tank. And since I ambushed him, I got to pull back too. He lost the tank. He didn't even know what hit him. And I'm, I'm back to where I started from. Right. Boom, boom. So, you know, now I had to get a little bit lucky for that to happen. Not yeah. super lucky, but a little yeah. lucky. Yeah. yeah. But I had nothing to lose. I had to get a 7 on the Patsy, and I had to get uh, a 6 or less on the, on the result. kill roll, yeah. So less than 50-50 chance, but not not enormously. Yeah. So No, you had very good very good odds that way. So that's what these articles are about. They give some good statistics and percentages for every combination. I didn't go through all that, but it's just like to go to the extreme. They got, where did I put that? Could I have that back? The article. Thank you, sir. So, like, you know, just, just take a stab without, yeah, well, without looking. Like, take a stab. Let's say you have a minus three advantage. What are your odds of ambushing your, your opponent if you have a minus three advantage? 68. Very close. It's 58. And what are the odds of him ambushing you with minus, if you have a minus three advantage? See? No, if you have a minus three advantage, what are the odds of him, oh, getting, him getting 8%? It's actually zero, zero according think, to this. Because yeah. uh, let's think about it. If I roll a six, oh, the yeah. worst thing I can get, it becomes a three. Oh, right, so you can't be And if he gets the best thing he can get, which is a one, that's not three different. Yeah. yeah. So that makes sense. And so there's a 42% chance, therefore, of no ambush, but a 58% chance. Yeah. So, but, but, you know, rarely do you get minus three. It's usually plus one or minus one is where you usually are, generally. Not, not going to risk your 10-3. 
10 minus 3 liter of CC, yeah. <laughs> but what I thought was really remarkable, again, just to repeat a little bit, is the difference between having a plus 1 going in and a minus 1 going in. I didn't realize it was that big of a difference. Yeah. Yeah. That really makes me you know, worried about going into close combat if I don't have any kind of an advantage for ambush. So that I thought I would share with your, Very good. With your listeners, yeah. and that's two of what I found to be 10 articles. There's probably more than 10. Oh, uh, yeah. But uh, I found 10 in my archives. Yeah, because you don't have any annuals in that list, right? No, I don't. Because there's a ton in there. As Jeff and I have been reviewing the annuals, we've talked a lot about this, some of those statistical yeah. analysis of things. Okay, well, then there's, a, then there's a lot yeah. to talk about if you guys want to. And, uh, Dave, you brought some charts here. What Can you describe this for everybody? Well, this is where it came from. This was from an old general way past, way back when I was probably just first playing. And uh, basically he gives you the odds of... Uh, Surviving attacks based on uh, the the terrain that you're moving in, whether it's minus or plus, and the morale of the uh, individual and the firepower used against you, and it sort of gives you an idea of of uh, how difficult it is to really break a unit in in ASL. That's what it's taught me anyway. How difficult it is to, and so a lot of times that's kind of guided my play in that uh, I don't try to sit there and shoot, shoot at people and break them because your odds are really not that great. It's amazing how, 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 how difficult it is. So my, it's shaped my strategy or tactics in that uh, when it's time to move, I move and uh, to get my uh, victory objectives. And uh, don't worry about the consequences because based on the chart, uh, if you look at it, uh, assuming his math is correct, um, you know, most of your units are going to get to where they want to go. And so that that's kind of shaped my... Uh, can you give an example of a situation that's in the middle there? Oh, sure. Well, let's say uh, morale level 8. Let's say using uh, 5 for 8s like, well, like, like we were playing today. And uh, I move in the open against your uh, your 447 squad. You get a 4 down 2. Uh, your odds of breaking me, uh, I my, well, I should say my odds of surviving are actually 61%. Really? Two out of three times I'll make it. Uh, one out of ten times I might get pinned, but the half the time I'll, I'll get through it without even getting broken. And that's walking uh, in front of you out in the open. So it's, it's, it's not an easy thing to, uh, to do to, to break a squad. Uh, so let's say I'm shooting a t- classical, typical shot that happens all the time as, say, eight firepower and you're plus one woods. Yeah, eight up one. And let's yeah. just say you have seven morale. You only have se- the, 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 the person receiving the fire has seven morale. I'm shooting eight firepower at him, and you're in plus one wood. So it's like the prep fire phase. Mm-hmm. Eight up one on a seven round guy. What are my odds? Of it's almost identical. Um, half the time that uh, squad will survive without uh, breaking. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. Sixty six percent of the time it will survive without breaking. Fourteen percent of the time it will be pinned. Uh, so about one out of three, you'll break them. You'll actually break them with a really. Uh, so I only got a one. one so that, that supports your point. Of why prep fire? If you only got a one third chance of breaking in, in that pretty typical situation, move. Sure, unless you're the defender and you know you're you're playing a uh, you know delay game for some reason. But for the most part, I've kind of you know I don't worry too much walking through woods or build, especially buildings. I mean, and and getting up next to my opponent, close and personal, because uh, his odds are are low. He's going to break some of my guys, but I'm going to get there and uh, and uh, duke it out with him. Then we'll. Bring into your CC uh, stats then uh, as to who wins that, hmm. but uh, I think it it helps me to uh, play the game better. 
But it seems like, like when knowledge. I'm playing the Americans with six morale, you know, the six six sixes. Yeah. It seems like they break like crazy. Yeah. What does it say about well, the six morale guys? Yeah, they have a chart. They have all the morales on here by chart. Teach well, me how to play the Americans, Dave. Uh, your eight plus one shot against the six 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 would uh, would break him only. Uh, well, again, one out of three. Fifty-eight percent of the time, he's going to survive. Fourteen percent of the time, he's going to pin. And that's a six six six. Really? So you know, you, it, it teaches you, you know, use cover, but don't worry about you know losing them. Uh, you're probably going to lose one out of three, but the other two that get in. You're going to reach your objective, and that kind of guides me as to, as to how I play. So this this has changed you. You're not a big prep fire guy. You're, not anymore. You're a movement no, guy. No. no. <clears throat> I, 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 Does it change you from firing at defensive fire? Does it affect the way you use well, your defensive fire? Defensive fire, targets? you're because uh, you know you're not going to like a free shot. Like, but yeah, defensive fire, you're stuck anyway. You're not yeah. moving, so yeah, you're going to take the shot and, and hope for the best. And just hope for the best. Yeah. Okay. And um, basically try to lay down some some fire lanes and let the other guy walk into them and then hope that maybe one of them will, you know, effectively break him or something. Yeah, uh, so I've heard this before. I, I've read this. I remember very early on. In ASL, when reading, um, I, I think I was on Game Squad forum or something, and somebody was saying, "I don't prep fire, man. I'm moving," and it was really hard for me to to imagine why why somebody would do that. Though now having played all this time, it still hasn't really sunk in. But I know many, 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 many times, countless are the times when I have prep fired and nothing happens. Yes, I, it, I, it's. Totally yeah, ineffective. Yeah, everyone, you fire yeah. four big stacks off, and yeah, you got fire groups or whatever, and or it just doesn't. Pins. Yes, and then you're like, wow, that didn't work. Yeah, so well. yeah, yeah. So you know, especially when you have a salt fire bonus, can you, you know, know, like the five four eights have that, uh, the six two two eight Russians have that. You know, a lot of the American units have that. That you might as well move because you're yeah. going to get virtually the same firepower anyway. That's true. It's not much of a difference, especially with a salt fire bonus. So that would support those charts even more. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I've seen that before, Dave, but it's probably been eons since mm-hmm. I've seen oh, that. Oh yeah, this is from a real old old general. That's from yeah. the old. I'm general. hoping that um, you'll let Dave and, and Jeff photocopy that or post that because I want to download it myself. Uh, I think as we played, we played today. I think I walked up to you, God knows how many times in the open in the woods because I had to get get to where I was going and. Uh, I think when you first start, everybody's kind of afraid to get their units broken. Yeah. You realize, hey, they pop right back. You just route them back, get your 9-1 or 8-1 leader on them, bring them back, and start all over again. You almost make it sound like fun <laughs> playing this game. <laughs> when you think about it, they're, more, they're probably more, uh, more precious than vehicles. Once a vehicle you know, is destroyed, you can't use it anymore. Right. Squads, you just keep throwing them back up there. Yeah, that's a good point. Like I say, vehicles don't route. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah, and early in my gaming experience, too, I remember talking with Wally, the guy that taught me in Chicago, like thinking, well, there should be more dead people, you know, because more KIAs, because, they, yeah, they just keep routing and coming back, and in this game, I thought it, more than know? real life, I thought. In, but. Well, in real war, uh, what, casualties are usually uh, five or six wounded to every person killed. Yeah, it's, in, it's in more, more wounded yeah, than, it's more wounded than dead, than, for sure, yeah. Well, um, just to hit the numbers again, because I like the numbers, and I'm a numbers guy. <laughs> Let's just compare, again, the 8 plus 1 shot again. Okay. 8 firepower plus 1 woods. A 6 morale guy is receiving the fire, or then a 7 morale guy is receiving the fire. What's the Good difference? One. Yeah. Good one. 
Uh, I think it's like 10%. I almost, I almost know it's going to be 10%. Uh, it's 66 for the Southern Morale guy that he'll survive. And it's 58 for the uh, six Morale guy. So not that much of a difference. Yeah, It's like about, a, if you look at these charts, you'll see there's always increments of about 8, 9, 10%. If you go from, depending on whether it's a minus one or a plus one or a seven morale to six morale, something like that. And firepower, if it goes up one column to the right, it always changes. The odds always change up or down by about 10%. And that's yeah. how I always look at it in my mind. And it's a lot easier to try to you know think of it that way rather than try to get the exact numbers. Right. Uh, and it's, it's it, I think it would help a lot of people to look at it and improve their games and like you say, make it more fun. Just run up there and then start duking it on. Yeah. I, I like it. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's that's a fun a good, way to play. Yeah. But if you look at the minus modifiers, you know, like the minus two line, that can't be good. Well, uh, like I, I think, I, well, that was an eight morale. Well, a seven morale, even if he was in the open and you fired at him with a four. That's a pretty average shot. So four flat. Well, let's no, say he's four moving nine. in the open. Four okay, down four two. Minus two. Four okay. down, down two. Four down two. Uh, 51% of the time, he's going to make it. Really? Okay, he's going to survive that shot. Yeah, I know, um, I, I know I've missed a lot of those shots and thought, what, I should have had a KIA. Yeah, yeah. Now you get into the 16 firepower, sure. that's well, way down there. Yeah, then, you're, then you're playing 90%. somebody stupid. 90%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, it's, it's uh, especially moving through woods and buildings. Well, it just seems like my 6 oh. morale guys are always broken, and even when I play with the 8 morales, they break too. Well, Bad day. I mean, I mean, the odds are two out of three they're going to make. I, I want to yeah. believe it, but I'm having a hard time feeling it. <laughs> it's because yeah. you remember the worst things more than the good things. Yes, yeah, exactly right. I mean, I'm sure the stats are true, but they're uh, they're just hard for me to accept right now. Well, I, I play Rich Domovic a lot, and it just almost seems like he gets everything he needs against me. I mean, he just slaughters me when I try those same tactics with him. <laughs> what can I say? Yeah, <laughs> he's got my number. I yeah. don't know, but. Uh, I rely on them, and I'll I'll keep doing the same thing, and, uh, and that's really helpful. Let, let's let them yeah. uh, post that if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely, sure. we will. Let me also ask before we move on to the next topic, uh, or just mention, Jeff. Jeff, you and I were uh, kind of half preparing for this program, and I showed you a Excel program that I had downloaded. And again, I apologize for not being able to give credit to the individual who wrote this. I didn't write it; I just downloaded it. But it was an Excel program where you type in the to kill number of the gun, yeah. the turret armor, and the hull armor of the AFV that you're shooting at. Um, it had, and it had, whether it has rate of fire or not, rate of fire of one, rate of fire of two, rate of fire of three. And what else did it have? It had other things. It had special yeah. ammo and uh, right, special ammo. Point. Oh, it had the distance, like for point blankness, it would change the uh, to kill number a little bit based on the uh, right. range. The size of the gun firing. Oh, you also had yeah the size, right. but you also had to do like what's your two hit number? What's your two hit? You know, yeah. What do you need to hit him? Yeah. You know, let's say he's moving, and uh, let's say he's just moving. That's it. So you need an eight to hit. You know, if you're within six X range, you would need an eight to hit. Just say as an example. So then you would put that in there. I need an eight to hit. I have a rate of fire of two. Uh, you know, the armor is such and such. And then you type. Then you just you actually type in a number like how many, It doesn't really calculate the odds directly. Not like this chart, because there's too many variables like multiple rate of fire and turret hits and whatever and critical hits. So it rolls the dice like you could say a thousand times or two thousand times. Yeah, you, you can choice. tell it how much. Yeah, you tell it. You download a little yeah. drop-down box. So let's say it rolls the dice two thousand times, 
and it does that in so many seconds. And then it gives you a distribution of how many kills and burning wrecks and what have you. Yeah. So it's virtually a calculation of the statistics, but kind of the hard way, kind of like through, right. through brutal, yeah. brute force right. of, of you know rolling the dice 2,000 times, which you couldn't really do in real life, but the computer can do it quickly. And I wish yeah, I could movie. give credit to so, the uh, it, it, person. It's not something you would you would use while you were playing, but you, if you were uh, going back through a game or you know setting up your own simulation, then you could run these and get a feel for how you're going to how effective you're going to be in these various situations to see if you want to take that shot. And for me, so many times it's yeah, I'll take that shot. I, what else am I going to do? Oh, uh, it's a hail mary. I with me, me and the hail mary every time. Sure, I'll take that shot. Why not? But it just goes to show you that a lot of people put a lot of love into this game. You oh, know, they, yes, they it's do. It's not just, you know, it's just not, there's a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. put a lot yeah. of passion. Uh, I didn't write any of these articles. I didn't write that computer program, but, you know, my hat's off to the people who did because it's yeah. really helpful. Yeah. So, yes, good stuff. All right. Well, what? shall we try some uh, airplanes? Airplanes? Air support. Hold on. It'll be this Jeff, one. Jeff, you got right. the bell, the buzzer bell? Here we go. The ring? Yeah. It's time for air support rules. Very exciting. No more boring statistics. Now... Boring rules. <laughs> and I'd like to thank uh, my kids for coming in and singing the background. Welcome back, kids. This. It's good to have you back. I can't remember what I was reaching for. Rich, you said... The bell. Ah, the bell. We're going to do that an impromptu little quiz show to liven things up even further. I didn't know that your daughters helped with the program. Oh, yeah. Jeff. Yeah. All six of them? <clears throat> In there's, this corner, we have Rich Spilkey. There's uh, Liesel oh, and Weasel and Schleasel. Give, it a, give it, it a test. Put it in the middle. First yep. one hits it gets the answer. Over in this Jeopardy corner, we have Dave Ramirez. <laughs> behind, in the headphones, the good-looking one behind the computer screen, Jeffrey Hallett. Hello. Ready? Hello. Question number one. I remember I'm impromptu doing this. It'll be a combo teaching, yeah. asking question session. Uh, teaching and asking. Normally I okay. write out all my questions beforehand, but I didn't know we'd have all four of us with this but, great but, opportunity. But, but I'm nervous, Dave. Are, are we going to are we gonna have to write a paper after this? You are, you are going to have to write a paper. Our guests are not going to have to write a paper. I'd like to ask for an extension. Ready? <laughs> Before making a ground attack, a plane must first pass a... Dave. Sighting test check. You are correct. One point for Dave. I'll write it down here. Okay. The sighting task check. The sighting task check is based on which target? It's kind of open. Which kind of target? In its initial target hex. Which? Don't be shy, Rich. The easiest one to see. You are correct. Two points. Oh, the easiest one. Holy you? Have you been studying? You're peeking over my shoulder, young man. Cheaters never prosper. Sure All right. How many aircraft counters may attempt a sighting task check before allowing the attacker to expend at least one movement factor, movement point, with one of his units? None. Rich? 
got to ring the bell. <laughs> you got to ring the bell, dude. You Go can't just be shooting got, stuff I got out. two eggs. Go get your one. I think you can have all your planes two. attack on the expenditure. Oh, is it only one? One. Oh, you are right, Rich. That's a point oh, for you. Shoot. Good. Gosh, no, you got it right. Rich. You got it right. That's a point for you. <laughs> oh, I thought you said how many does your opponent have to expend? Okay. That's because I'm making this up on the fly. I mean, I'm reading it off the chart. Oh, by the way, folks, special thanks to Jim Sexton, and we don't have his permission to use this chart, but I got this great chart for the first bid, all those stukas we talked about last show a couple weeks ago, remember? And and this chart was sent to me by, um, I think, Mike Stubitz, and then Rich sent the same one over, like, oh, you may want to use this. And I read this whole thing, and I I only made one little note on it. That I thought needed some clarification. That's how thorough I think this little chart is by Jim Sexton. So thank you, Jim. And I would like you to tell me what that note is later on, so I can also include it. I will tell you, and you probably would already like go. Oh, everybody knows that. And what is when a, when a site when a plane takes a sighting task check and has to check its morale? What is its morale level number? Jeffrey, who is Galileo? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, it's a number. A number. Oh. Um. Is it a number between seven and nine? Yes, it is. Six. No, sorry, you're wrong. <laughs> Rich, second bell ring. What is the speed of light? No, sorry, Rich, Dave, steel? Uh, pi? No. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of idiots do I have on this show today? The morale level was eight. Number eight. You have to pass an eight check. Now, how am I going to remember that? It's going to be difficult. What results in a recall on the die roll on the task check? What kind of die roll do you have to get a recall? Rich. I think it has to be greater than or equal to 12 in you total. You are correct. As a fail and that's a final task check, it, it can be a mistaken attack also. I hate when that happens. A mistaken, mistaken attack. Yes, that means that uh, ahead, you Rich. get to attack me with my planes. Oh. Which I hate when you do that. Yeah, I can. Yeah, but Jeff likes when he does that. Yes, he does. What are the what are the rules on that? Like, who do you like? Do you have to attack the nearest enemy unit to the intended target, or um, mistaken attack? Teaching moment. I can sense a teaching moment here. The attacker may immediately move the aircraft and attack without a new sighting task check. The defender's non-hidden onboard ground unit that is closest in hexes to the aircraft's initial target and not completely blind hex. Attacker's choice if equidistant. So remember now, Rich, right? The planes and Dave, the planes go off in the... You get them, we'll go into this too, but you get them and then you use them in the enemy's movement phase. Right. <clears throat> right, they do everything in the enemy's movement and or or your final fire phase if they if you didn't shoot in a moving unit. Yes, in the, and then the final. And if strafing, this attack must be continued... Using machine guns and bombs to include any other onboard ground units within the range and hex grain of a normal strafing run, which we'll get into in a minute, the plane can use a different hex grain and type of attack than that initially planned by the defender. So, Oh, you the, mean you as the, if you, if you roll you're 12 the attacker, or more than 12, I can take your plane. And even do a... So even if you didn't intend to drop the bomb... <laughs> yeah. I can drop the bomb on you if it's still if it's there if there is a bomb. And you can change the hex screen to go attack. Isn't there a song, attack. Jeff, that you you dropped a bomb on me, baby? Isn't there a song that goes on? Uh, I think there probably is. I didn't realize you, know you were so song? musical. Oh, yes, <laughs> we should play that oh, song. It's we should. Fit. If you can give me the title, I can play it's it. It's called "You Dropped a Bomb on Me." I think you dropped a. While Jeff searches, I will call off the um, um, variable affecting the sighting task check. 
you can guess what the dyro modifier would be. But only after you ring the bell. Yes. Ready, Dave? Ready. Target not entirely concealed or hidden. Rich. Minus two. You are correct. Catching up. Target has been attacked by a friendly plane during this turn. Dave. Minus one. You are... Man, these guys are good. This is why I don't play these guys. They kick my butt. Target is part of a convoy or a column. Continue playing. Rich. Is that also minus one? You are correct. Target entered a new hex, used vehicle bypass movement, or been in motion during the player turn. Dave. Minus two. No, minus one. Back to the back of the line, sir. Target is vehicular or testicular. <laughs> uh, minus one vehicular, testicular zero. You are correct. Mist, dust, or heat haze, regardless of range. Heat haze? Dave. Plus one. You are correct. Target is within four hexes of a non-hip vehicle or friendly to... And in the line of sight of the aircraft. So you got a friend of yours next to the thing or close to it. That would be um, plus one. You are correct. Target is in brush, grain, marsh, crag, graveyards. Not buried in the graveyard, but like on top of the graveyard, walking around. I'm still recovering from the uh, dropping the bomb on me. Plus one. Plus one is correct. And if they're buried in the graveyard, Jeffrey? Hold on. Am I still here? I didn't even realize I was still in the room. Uh, plus three. Plus eight. You are correct. Plus eight. Eight is correct. Plus eight. Yeah. It's, it's between, between seven and nine, eight. right? Yes, but it's six. not six. Or pie. I've learned my lesson. Target is in a building, woods, rubble, or orchard in season orchard. That's plus three. Correct. But... Oh, go on. You know, Jeff and I and our friends are doing this Tarawa thing. Oh. And it's really weird because the orchards or the palm trees or whatever they are in Tarawa are considered in season. Except for sighting task checks. Oh, that's right. Because they're sparse. Yeah. I'll bet because they're sparse enough. From coming in, but right that's that just angle. the palm trees. That wouldn't be orchards. That's right. just that's that's, that's a Tarawa thing. Right? Would that be the Tarawa thing? Would yeah. that be the okay. coconut trees? I think so. It could okay. be. It's a Tarawa thing. And yeah. modifier yeah. for smoke. Oh. Plus two. If it's a plus two smoke. What if it's plus three smoke? Then it's a plus three. And if it's a plus one, it's a plus one. I'm seeing a pattern. Is there a such thing as starting to emerge? I guess is white phosphorus plus, dispersed. I guess dispersed white phosphorus. Okay, yes, there yes. we go. Okay. Just to have that. All right, X man, this is quite impressive. Quite impressive. Aerial line of sight uh, cannot cause loss of concealment or prevent the gain of concealment because even though the plane sees you, they I guess they can't talk to the guys on the ground, right? Probably tell not. Them, oh yeah. look, there's a guy over there, so he loses concealment. And it must score a pin test check result on the IFT. Uh, unit move. I'm just going through the like teaching of the aerial line of sight. Uh, unit moving in the open ground is not considered concealed to the aircraft. It, no, it could be concealed for other mm-hmm. units, mm-hmm. which we did that in our uh, first bid. Although it may not be inspected unless the sighting test check is passed. 
So if you do pass a scientastic, you get right of inspection on that stack. If only a dummy unit, the owner has the option of counting that siding task check as its only allowed siding task check. Oh, if declined, it's still subject to light A fire. Oh, if it's only a dummy counter, the owner has the option. Oh, that means he doesn't have to count that as a siding task check. Hmm. So I'd make one. Oh, it's dummies. Well, I would have known that. Right? That's what it's saying. Interesting. So you're saying that if you move dummies, and I have a plane, but I don't know that they're dummies... So I'm going to do a sighting task check on them. Do you have to reveal that they're dummies at that time? Yeah. So you'll basically lose your dummies. In that I case? think. Well, you know, it doesn't. I. I don't it's know. It's not like you lose them. You probably. Well, you, the they, pl- they're known now by your opponent, but and probably the, keep them. I would guess. And the plane can go ahead and make a different sign. Yeah, test right. Check. He just interesting. It off that, and, I, I remember that. that that's yeah, important because because yeah. if they're moving, he would know. He'd have a good line of sight on them. The number of blind hexes for sighting or for aerial line of sight is never more than one hex, and it may see into a depression because it's up in the air. Sure. And aerial range quiz show aerial range is what of the normal range? I'm still back on the dummies. <laughs> you are a dummy. Well, and here's yeah. <laughs> my my question is, uh, and I was trying to answer my own question. My question is, you could reveal your dummies, but. You may want to keep them anyway. I think so. I and then I think it, you keep them. You yeah, keep move them, them around be, later be, and hope be, he forgets which was the dummy stack. Because your well, opponent do, knows. Well, do dummy stacks uh, prevent bait. your opponent oh. from gaining concealment? Yes. So and also you, sniper bait. Well, wait, yeah, okay. Wait, 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 wait. For denying concealment? Oh yeah. Dummies? Sure. Dummies deny concealment. Oh, you're concealment. right. You have to show a real conceal- unit to right. take away concealment. Right. If you're right. moving, then but you have to show deny. Right. They can they deny. They can deny. They can deny. Gotcha. Okay. So you, there are cases where even if the guy knows that it's a dummy stack, sure. you can still use oh, them sure. to some bad. Yeah, okay. especially good for letting Yeah, sniper and sniper bait. bait. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Or not. Yes. Got it. Okay. And I'm sorry, Dave. So now maybe I'll catch up. Catch up? Upstairs in the refrigerator. Mustard's on the second shelf from the bottom. Aerial range. You were asking him. Aerial range. Oh, is what? Uh, unlimited. Double. Double the normal range. So if your plane is six hexes away, it counts as 12 hexes away. Right. To, oh, yes. Like okay. to drop a bomb and to roll it to hit and right. all those things. And I assume we're going to get into the difference between the point attack and the regular. We are. If we have time. Jeff, what's the time on our show right now? We're at 46 minutes and 44 seconds. <laughs> oh, we have plenty of time. Damn. All right. Mistaken attack, we did. All right, so we've, we talked about aerial line of sight, what it is. We talked about a scientist check, modifiers to that. What happens if you fail on a 12? Oh, original die roll of 12 is the recall. Okay, so if you actually roll a 12. A 12 on your scientist check, the plane's off the board. After mistaken attack, if applicable. Oh, so you might get a mistaken attack and lose your plane. Mm-hmm. And recall, in a normal game, that plane's gone forever, right? Right. Whereas in that first bid, you kept re-rolling for more Stukas. You roll every turn in that scenario for Stukas? Every turn? Yeah. Uh, the, the only strike in the defender's movement in final, but every, well, every turn up to a certain turn, point, don't you? Yeah, turn 10 or okay. 13. Yeah. Okay. But, like, do you roll to see if you get them, or you just roll to see how many you get? You roll to see how many you get. Okay, so you're going to get wow. them. One to three. You're going to get at least one. And if I'm rolling, it's two or three. It's not a one. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to play you. It was It was fun. If you, I mean, if you love, and I love, unless I'm I, on your team, then I want to be you. I love air. I love air support. I love it. I love the strafing run. Yeah. It's a yeah. great. It's just great. Yeah. I love this point attack with a Stuka. I just love the whole thing. 
I hate trying to figure out the AA fires. Sometimes Bounty Fire made some great uh, air uh, rules with the rockets and and the other stuff. Oh right, but they, yes. But they never put them in their scenarios. They never oh. used them. It was like maybe one or two out of their scenarios yeah. actually used the air rules. And I says, well, "You got beautiful looking counters here, and you got some great rules, but they never used them." Yeah, they were cool. Are we allowed to criticize ASL products on this program? We Bounty are. Fire. We are. I think you're venturing into new territory, David. No, no, I, I don't. I, th- I, 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 why? I fire, I'm just kidding. Good job. It's all right. This is the last time he's going to be on the show. So it doesn't really matter. You can say whatever you want. Go out with a bang. <laughs> that is a valid criticism. That's constructive criticism. Well, yeah. I, I, it, you're not telling thing. anybody and not to buy the stuff. They put that much effort into putting that much quality into the counters and into the rules. Yes. Yeah, put in scenario. Onslaught to Orsha is another one. But the Russians have these Sturmoviks with these cluster bonds and right. stuff. And, but I never saw them very much. Huh. Cool. Well, there's yeah. a job for you. Yes. Keep going on that, Scenario Designers. Oh, we did not talk about Arrival. So that's what we're missing here. So at the beginning, then, you want to see how many planes, how they arrive. So all rolls must be made for all aircraft as a group. You must make a die roll during the owner's which phase. When do you make your roll to see if you get air support? I'd say rally phase. You are correct, rally but, phase. But, but my rally phase. Yes, the owner's but, owner but then they won't actually do anything until... It's your opponent's yes. move or final fire. Yeah, it's hard sitting around waiting that long. And the <laughs> die roll, how many dice do you roll? One or two? For arrival or for quantity? Arrival. One. One is correct. And it has to be less than the current game turn number. <laughs> and then you must place them in your next in the next movement phase. Use them. So like the planes, we would roll in, in first bid and set them on the side and look at them longingly until we would place them in the defender's movement or right. final fire phase. Upon entry. And you must use them. You must place them. You must place them. It says. Okay. okay. So, and this, again, I double-checked all this with the rule book. It reads pretty well like the rule book here. Upon entry, you make two die roll to determine what? Small die roll. We roll a die. So you can get air support. Upon entry. When the planes come in, you got to make a roll to determine something. Is it the quantity? How many you get? Oh, oh, oh. The quantity. Yes, how many you get the quantity? Tie. You both get the point. <laughs> and the type of bombs. And there's this die roll table. You can look at your table. Is it the type of bombs or on that type of bomb table there on the left top? Top left. Oh, I see. The TOB. The (laughs) The top of bomb table. table. Yeah. I have never seen this table. Yeah, I I think. You roll for it. Oh, well, probably it's. Well, I think the scenario doesn't the scenario. Well, generally, the scenario this? tells you you tells get yeah, two, what you two get. of these with bombs. So oh, this okay. must be if you if it doesn't tell you, then maybe you would roll upon entry. Rolling less than or equal to the number equals the aircraft are armed with bombs. That could be. That could be. Was this listening? Does it uh, quote a rule uh, number like E something or other? Bomb, of, bomb availability die roll exponent in H. No. Most scenarios don't allow for randomized. Yeah. H1.53. What, what's coming yeah. in and whether they got bombs or not. So, yeah, it could be. I, I wonder I where know. they got the table then. It, it might be in a room. I think it's, it's in, just, the, in the design your own. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. H. Yeah. It is an H. Yeah, yeah. it's okay. an H. 
So yeah, you wouldn't need it for most. But I, I've never seen a scenario where you roll for that. Oh, no, no, it you're right. Always tells you that you get this right. or you get that. No. Okay, yeah. So we're going to skip the aerial combat. Whoever does aerial aerial combat. Well, you know there actually yeah. is. It's, it's very rare. Okay, go ahead. But there actually is that scenario that I really like that I recommend to everyone called T seven. It's the tournament seven scenario. Oh yeah, that's I called. What's the name of that? Sure. T seven. I don't know, but it's you're T7. right. That's when I did aerial combat, like the only time yes. I ever ever. It's a Russian German scenario. It's a lot of fun. I think they're taking over. To the, it's the Germans attacking the Russians on this hill, and both sides get air support. And as I recall, the Germans do get. You know, I don't remember how many the Stukas, and the Russians get whatever the standard fighter bomber is for that year, and you do end up in aerial combat, aerial close combat in that scenario. Hmm. And that's a fun little scenario. It's just one board, board two, you know, that hill board. Mm-hmm. And it's a fun scenario. I recommend it. And you also get to practice your aerial combat. It's not overwhelming because they're just like a couple planes each. Yeah. So it's not like you got gobs of, you know, things to keep track of. I don't know. It's fun. Yeah, and this and this chart's really quite simple anyway. You place uh, the uh, fighter bomber on top of another enemy aircraft, cover it with a CC marker. It's sequential CC. The attacker goes first. Attacker attacks and applies the results before the defender can then fire. And then it's just got some modifiers, plus one if it's a Stuka. Would that be because they're not good fighter planes? Yeah, right, they're slow. And the fighter has bombs, plus one. It's going to slow them down, right? Mm-hmm. Fire's damaged, plus one. And then if the target's damaged, neg one. Or neg one, not in a, if the target's not a fighter bomber. And neg one if the target has the bombs. Okay, inverts some of those other things. And then... Less than four, you eliminate your target. Equal to five, it's damaged. Greater than ten, the target has optional recall. It's also interesting because you get rate of fire in close combat, which is not something you're used to doing. You got potential yeah, rate of fire does say that. in close combat, which is rare. One if carrying bombs, two if not carrying the bombs. So the rate of fire is reduced if you're weighted down. Only the fighter bombers, not the Stukas, get those. So, you know, you're right, it happens very rarely, but it's fun. But mostly you'll use them for ground support. Ready? Yes. Here we go. Ground support happens in the two phases we talked about, opponent's movement phase or the plane's defensive fire phase. Question. Can the aircraft attack as a fire group? No. No, No. that's correct. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> Dave Ramirez give me half point for <laughs> may, yeah, may they attack <laughs> I did all the work may, may they may they attack the same targets yeah sure yes <laughs> you just shoot, shoot out the answers Dave <laughs> we'll ring the bell and yeah, we'll, we'll we take go. half credit yeah that's fair yes certainly what is the symbol used on the to hit table to note those dire modifiers that used on aerial attacks. Ooh. I made that one up. Oh. <laughs> but it's true, though. Yeah, this is pretty important. I think it's the little number inside the star, and it, it, it represents it? the kind of the plus modifier to protect. You're unarmored, but you get a plus modifier of two or one. Oh, or... no, I wasn't referring to that. Oh, I'm sorry. On the to hit table, Oh, there's a symbol... Jeff's looking oh, it up. What is that symbol? It tells you what to hit modifiers apply. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. We're looking. I think it's an A in a circle, isn't it? The Oh, the uh, at symbol. Like right at symbol. Purple. It's purple. Oh, oh, the at okay. symbol. Or is it the okay. cross? It's the at symbol? It's the at symbol. It might be the at. I must say that Jeff's 
reference the data table are so clean and, and spotless, I'm afraid to touch them. I apologize for yeah, touching them. That's all right. Did all those to memory? And I should, you should make me wear gloves to touch them. They're you so... should see his underwear. <laughs> well, more information than we want. Yeah, really. <laughs> I wasn't looking for that. And I'd show him, but I'm not wearing underwear tonight. <laughs> okay, good to know. But anyway, his charts are so, pristine. So, why I won't be back. Yeah. <laughs> It's one reason. <laughs> so when you are playing air to air sport, you just look at that chart and you go right down and it gives you the symbol for all your modifiers you use on your to hit. Walls, hedges, and roadblocks do or do not provide any TEM to a ground support attack. I don't know. Take it. None. You're right. Do not. It makes sense. Got a whole point. Yeah. That makes sense. That's logical. May an aircraft carrier attack a location to which it has no line of sight? Jeffrey. No. You're correct. May an aircraft interdict? No. You are correct, sir. May it attack both moving and non-moving units during defensive first fire with the same attack? Yes. Wow. Because I would say no, because normally you can't hit a moving. Normally you can't. No. Right. Right. How often exception. do you guys play uh, these airplanes? Not, not. Well, we're using them in Atarawa, so they're a little yeah. bit fresh in our mind, a little yeah. bit. No, wow. I would never have gotten that one. So it's kind of interesting because what you want to do as the person with the Stuka or with the fighter bomber, whichever you have, you want to wait for him to move in such a way. And, of course, if you're the person <laughs> moving, you yeah, want yeah, to avoid yeah. this. So that he has a nice, ideally a line of four in a row mm. in any kind of a hex screen, any you know, from any angle. And obviously as the mover, you never want to create that situation. You never want to allow him to shoot at more than right. one if you can avoid it or two at most. So like, for example, you know, like, because like you said, Dave, normally you're moving one thing and he could shoot at one thing. Yeah. Well, if you move through a squad stack. and then you've got three other squads here that haven't even moved yet. Or if they're done moving, either way, it doesn't matter. He can hit all four of them, assuming there's no blind hexes. He can nail all of them, even if some moved and some haven't. Cool. And so as the mover, you want to avoid letting your opponent do that. And as the guy with the fighter bomber, you want to look for an opportunity for that to, to happen. To do that. Excellent. May Stukas, making a strafing attack, use their bombs. I, well, go ahead. No. Of course. Everyone knows that. Wait a minute. <laughs> Strafing. That's not an answer. Stra- wait, sorry, wait a minute. It's wrong. Sorry. Next question. Strafing attack. You have to do a point attack to drop a bomb? Yeah, Stuka. Because no. it comes no, in no, and no, drops no. it on that carriage underneath. Wait, wait. I know you can do a point attack and you can drop a bomb, and that's the way you prefer to do it because then your two hit number is based on the aerial range. Yes. Okay, I get that. And you're close. But. If you do a strafing run... You may not use your bomb. Really? I thought you could. I mean, no, no you wouldn't want to, but you I don't I think the plane could. was designed to do that. Um, Historically. Is it... Because it's aiming with its... Is it only a Stuka that does uh, the two hex and a regular yes. fighter bomber would oh. take it from like three hexes away? Yeah, I think In so. In other words, start its run four hexes away and drop it on the, on the next hex where it's only three hexes away? And Stuka is the only one that starts, starts two away. Correct. Two, right? Correct. Yeah. They come in at such a steep angle. Right. Well, <clears throat> I'll just teach out this little paragraph. Prior to making any attack on a specific hex, your plane with bombs may designate it will use those bombs to attack that hex, with or without an accompanying machine gun attack. 
It must be pre-designated that it will also use a machine gun attack, and bombs are resolved after the, any machine gun attack. And once a bomb to hit die roll is made, the aircraft may not continue to strafe during that player turn, although it must still move to the last hex attack, taking light AA fire. So that's just saying your plane continues to fly across and off the board, and you can still shoot at it with AA fire then. A target armor-fighting vehicle cannot change its crew-exposed button-up status before the initial attack is resolved, but can thereafter, within the limits of D5.33, I don't know what that is, as can any other vehicles in a subsequent target hexes, provided they do so before their hex becomes eligible for attack. I think D5.33 is the rules on when you can CE your button-up. No. Okay, so you know. but, so they can pop out and do that, or button up. Well, back to your other thing here. I'm, I'm looking at now, Dave. Um, so it says there's Stukas mm-hmm. making a strafing run, may not use bombs. Yeah, only Stukas. Yeah. Okay, I thought. Oh, you thought? Oh, that you could never drop bombs with strafing runs. No, no, that's okay. why I was saying the Stuka gotcha. launches so the it like Stuka this. Specifically, has to. Yeah, it has that swinging carriage gotcha. that goes under the propeller. I'm with you now. Yeah. All righty then. Who's going to give me a shot of whiskey? Uh, I guess that would be me. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. <laughs> me? <laughs> are you going to talk? Are you going to talk about the uh, AAs? ways to fight against? I think let's finish up the ground support oh, okay, sector. I'm sorry. I thought you were already. Oh no, there's a ton more to go. Ton. I don't know if we. I thought if we'll get to AA tonight, maybe we will. Because I'm not very good at it. But yeah, you can take that over. Um, how about ground support procedure? Oh, uh, I guess we won't do this as a quiz show. Um, let's just go through. You move to your attack position, which is how well. How far away, Dave? Can you describe how you do a f- attack with your plane? Oh, four hexes away from your intended target. Right? Okay, so we're going to set our plane down. That's the strafing if run. It's a strafing run, right? And we said the Stuka is placed two away for right. a point attack. Point attack coming in. Um, then you do your sighting task check. This is just the order of things. The light AA would be done, except. The light AA cannot fire if it's a point attack by the Stuka, which drove people nuts in that first bit, as we talked yeah. about. Yeah, in addition to that, when you attack with a point attack with a Stuka, its target is automatically pinned. Yes. So it's only shooting with four firepower, which is not that big of a deal usually. But, like, let's say you're going right at his anti-aircraft gun. You get to it, and let's say it's concealed. You attack it with a 2-up-2, two two, assuming it's in place, which is not that powerful, but he loses concealment, and you pit him before he can shoot back. Back. And then when you drop the bomb, assuming you're going to drop a bomb, he's unconcealed. Because the four firepower shot happened first. Yeah. Oh, right. Right. The machine so gun shot. The Stukas are really bad in close combat against other planes, like you said, but they're pretty they good. They were pretty good in our game. Yeah, yeah. So then you would work out your attack at a 7 to 12 hex range. And the initial location cannot be devoid of enemy units. So I guess you can't just go blow up a building or for fun or something. And if it's the Stuka, then it does the pinning, as Rich said. So And you're always four away in the normal standard strafing run. Forget the Stuka for a minute if you're just doing the normal standard. Yeah. You're always four away, which means you're eight aerial range. Which means when you go to hit with the gun, if you're trying to hit a tank or something, or if you're going to drop the bomb on infantry or on a tank, you are at eight aerial range, which makes your two-hit number a little bit worse. A little bit worse. Right. And so then you'd move that plane 
the one hex while well, you take the you do the attack and then advance a hex and then the light AA can shoot at you and you do another attack and then you advance a hex right because your plane's just going along those four hexes and you do that for each of the four mm-hmm. with a light AA happening after each attack. No, it happens. I thought it happened before the attack. Um. Yeah. Oh. You're well. It's before the attack unless it's a Stuka. Yes, yeah, so you're right, right, right yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the light AA, then the attack, advance, AA, attack, advance, AA, attack, Unless and that's your last one. the Stuka is doing a strafing run. Yeah, the Stuka could do right. a normal right. strafing sure. run. Good point. And so you move along that hex grain until you occupy that last hex that you attacked, and then you can get more light AA fire. Then you got to do four more, right? Right. Yeah. After that, three... Uh, Oh, exception. Stuka's making a point attack move for three hexes after the attack. I have four for everyone else. And then you take them, you take your plane right off the board and set it over in a corner. Because it's done coming in for the strafing run. It's so like if you, so up if and out of the way. If you've got an um, anti-aircraft weapon and anti-aircraft mode, and let's say it has eight IFE, and it's you know so many hexes away from this attack that's going on with the airplane... And of course, you got to double it for aerial range. You know, I guess as the defender, or, or I guess, I guess you're the attacker, but you're the defender against the plane, the guy with the anti-aircraft gun that wants yeah. to shoot the plane down. He would want to wait, presumably. I mean, you want to attack before he attacks if you can, but you also want to increase your odds of actually right. hurting the plane. So you'd have to wait till he's within your aerial range of 16, which would be eight hexes, if you wanted to maximize your... Because it's double the range, yeah. yeah. And you could never get the point blank, because even if it's... Well, could you? If he was right above you, would you get point blank? No, you get no point blank. There's no point blank. No, none and no. All right, so you'll never get point blank. The most you can get is full firepower. Right. So it's it's, it's very hard as the to shoot those things down. you got to roll pretty... Plus they have the, that number we talked about earlier inadvertently... That number that's inside the star? Yes. Which applies. We'll get into attacks now. Ready? Okay. Ready. Back to quiz show. What is the firepower of a Stuka's machine gun? Well, I said four earlier. Whoops. Four. four. You are correct. Four. <laughs> a fighter bomber prior to 1942. Four. No. Sorry, Jeff. I think it's six. Six is correct. A fighter bomber from 42 to 43. Hey, you are correct. And on. the final question. You want to ring it in now? <laughs> the 44 to 45 fighter bomber. 12. 12 firepower so machine guns. Oh. They just kept adding machine guns on there, making it more and more powerful of an attack later in the war. That's why it's so fun to do a strafing run. Yeah. True or false? Machine gun cower on a plane. I believe. Oh. I believe they can. They are not subject to cowering. No. Sorry. Oh, wait, wait. <laughs> Rich, Rich. Wait. Right. the point. That's wait. not an answer. <laughs> I thought that you could cower. I also thought you could not direct it with a leader. Yeah. No, machine like, gun on a plane. Oh, I thought you meant the, pl- the machine gun shooting at the plane. No, oh. no. Okay. I'm yes, this is the yeah. plain machine. Guns. I should listen to what you ask instead of what I think. I and should. That, I should speak more clearly. Correct answer. So we shouldn't get anything. Really. Yeah, as was the last time. It's like my dad always used to say. There was one time I I made a mistake in my life. It's when I thought I made a mistake, but I didn't. I see. Yeah. 
Actually, your your answer was correct, but it was to a different question. <laughs> yes. Thank you for making yeah. me feel better, Jeff. Yeah. It's nice of you to say. Yeah. Happy True day. or false? The machine gun armament of an airplane can affect each level of a building in line of sight with the same IFT effect styrol as it strafes. Yes. Yes, true. Wow. Making it even more fun. Yeah, so, really. Wait, explain that. Tell me what's happening here. When you got a multi-level building yeah, yeah. and you're strafing running it, right? The machine gun bullets are going to climb like right up the building. Right. Right? First, second, and third level if you got it. So is it, is it plus three for everybody? Let's say it's a stone building. Or is it like you get the, like with FFE, you get the extra oh, plus no, one? No, no, no. I think it's just the plus three for each level. For each level. Yeah, you don't uh, accumulate like you do indirect fire. And if you're on the roof, it's plus zero? Yeah, because you've got no cover there. Hmm. And it's the same IFT affects the die roll. So it's just the right. one roll oh, for the whole one building. Roll. It affects everybody ah. in the thing. So if you roll low, man, how cool is that? What? Is there more to the question? <laughs> or is that? I don't know. It says. It depends. It says. It says uses the vehicle target type and black to hit numbers. Can it use the infantry target type? Oh, machine gun armament. No, of course not. Duh. Okay, so when you're shooting a tank, you got to roll it to hit roll. So you use the vehicle target type and then the black to hit numbers to get your hit. Now, machine gun, basic to kill number, is either a 39 or a 42, 1944, 42, or a 1944 fighter number. Exception, Stuka's always used the 39 fighter number. It's modified... By what? Oh, that's a really hard one. Well, I think it's modified aerial. Yeah, well, whoop. Nice. Aerial uh, and the rear both of uh, make it one higher, one bigger. How do these guys do this? Well, we We've played with it. They play. Yeah. We played with it though. We played with that too. I don't care. You hard. shouldn't be able to remember all this. <laughs> oh, it also says aerial advantage. Right. Aerial right. That's height advantage. advantage. And, um... and it says aerial <laughs> armor factor. And it right. says rear. It says three things. What's the well, difference between the aerial advantage and the, the aerial, aerial armor, armor factor, factor? Is their armor factor? It's not a, a modifier to the shot. I mean, but you don't get to use your normal and, armor of you know whatever your normal right. armor is. You use the aerial armor, which is lower. You got the base to kill a four minus one for the uh, yeah. aerial minus one for rear versus a one, so it's a net five to do something. Oh, oh, I see. Right. The aerial advantage is a modifier. Right, to the, and the to rear. kill. Okay, yeah. okay. To the to kill. Okay. Does, can can you score a critical hit with a machine gun armament of a plane? No, uh... <laughs> I beat you. <laughs> I, think it, I, think the, I think your machine guns never get critical hits. You are correct. May it attack other unarmored targets in the same hex? As the armor fighting vehicle, using the original to hit die roll versus the armor fighting vehicle as the IFT affects die roll. It can hit everything if it rolls low enough. Yes, it can. All right, bombs. Dropped a bomb on me. Let's go. Bombs. Planes dropping bombs. What band is this? The Gap Band. You see I'm what I was, for the bomb This sound. is what I was doing in college while <laughs> other people were actually learning. Yeah. 
Does a bomb hit each level of the building in line of sight with the same IFT effects die roll? Dave? Yes. You are correct. Does it use black to hit numbers? Oh. Yes. You are correct. If a target hex contains both vehicles and non-vehicle target types, does it use the same to hit die roll? I'll say yes again. You are correct. Yeah, I think everything, yeah. No. Jeff, is this not, am I the only one amazed here? You are the only one that's amazed. <laughs> I can't. Are you amazed that I knew about this song? This, 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 this song. This, well, that's, that, that was, you know, yeah. one, right? This, I knew all this. You got, a, you got a song here, I knew all this? I think so. Yeah, I think there is one here. I knew all this. Bombs versus armor-fighting vehicles. Now I'm going to stump you. We already did the aerial advantage and target phase. Final to hit die roll, less than or equal to half of the basic to hit number equals a what? Direct hit. You are correct. And what firepower does that use or to kill number? The full, full. fire. Yeah. Wow. Final to hit die roll. Greater. Wait, I have a question. Yes? Wait, who's, who's in charge of the game here? <laughs> Can I ask questions of the questioner? Yes, you may. So, are you saying that, let's say it's a 200 millimeter bomb. Uh-huh. So what column is that? Is that 36? It's a lot. Yeah, yeah I just like remember it was a 36? lot. Yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm dropping a 200 millimeter bomb. I'm dropping it. I'm doing a strafing run. It's not a Stuka. Mm-hmm. So I'm four hexes away, which is eight aerial range. So the two hit number would be nine. Yeah, if you're none doing a strafing run, you can't drop bombs. No, just a Stuka can't. No, actually, none of them can. You have to call a point attack even for the other planes. A, right. Yes. You have to use a point attack. But it's not bomb. as close as the Stuka point okay, attack. Okay, but a point attack, you're still at eight. You're still four hexes away, which is eight aerial. Eight and then six. And okay. Then you, and that's it. Those okay. are the two. Yeah. All right, so let's say I'm dropping it now when I'm eight. Eight you, can't. you would do it at six. Just I think the, the, no. the same rules really? apply. It's the second. It's the second. Um, okay. You call okay. It. So the two hit number is ten, then not nine. Right. And less than or equal to half of ten is five, as you just said. So let's say the tank is not moving. Let's try to keep the math easy. The tank is not moving. The tank is normal size, zero size modifier. So I would need a five or less for a direct hit. It's yeah. It's hard to get. A lot of mine were. Near misses. Near misses. And if yeah. I get between 6 and 10, it's a hit, but not as good. Near miss, they call it, but it's half the firepower of the, uh, and then, the bomb load. But you also apply the aerial armor factor if it's a direct hit, which is a small number, and you apply the regular armor factor, I think, if it is a near miss. Is that correct? No. I don't think so. No, it's, it's just the only thing the near miss does is would be half of the basic firepower or to kill number. Okay, so you look at the to-kill number of 200 millimeter. I don't have that chart with me. Mm-hmm. Jeff, is, what, Jeff can, has can very you, pristine charts. On the pristine chart? That's I usually don't take them out twice in the same day. <laughs> <laughs> so HE to kill. I think it would be back here. HE to kill. Where are we? HE to kill. There we go. So 200 millimeter. Well, 150 plus versus an armor target is 16. So I think it's an extra. So you would uh, four or something. Like that. You would go down to eight as the two kill number then. Yeah. If half. you've got a near miss. 
versus the aerial armor, and then you'd still get to bump it up for the height advantage and the uh, yeah. rear, right? Would you Do get you, those? Uh, it's, that that applies all the time. Does it? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, Regardless yeah, of the hit. Yep. Yeah, it would make sense, sure. I mean, look at this, Jeff. Look how much lower the aerial armor factors are Quit compared to bending your regular... You're bending yeah. my Jeez. chart. The You're bending it back. Oh, it needs to be bent. It needs to be used. <laughs> Use this chart. Jeff, would you, would you like to keep too, Would you like that. to start playing ASL? <laughs> no. I'm keeping I I want this to I want I to want be able to sell I, this someday. Sell this like on eBay. I want it to say like new. <laughs> I want you to feel the passion here. Look at the, how low the aerial armor factors are compared to the regular armor factors. There's this, writing all over this chart. <laughs> this is why really it's so, so awesome to attack with airplanes with tanks because the armor factors are much lower. Oh yeah. I mean 11 to 4, are you kidding me? That's a huge difference. That's yeah. a huge difference. The tops weren't very well armored. Is that what they're saying, right? You know, back Still to your aren't. scenario that you were saying where you used Stukas quite effectively in the first bid, did he have any anti-aircraft fire capabilities at all? You no, know, because you attack first, and then he can attack after, and if he shoots your plane down, you don't care because you're rolling you're again the more. next turn. I think all they have were heavy machine guns anyway, right? No, no, there were two AA guns. Were there two AA? Yeah, just okay. two for that entire <laughs> yeah. board. Yeah. That's right. That I saw. That I saw. It's not even going to cover that yeah. I half the board. Yeah. That I remember. Well, I have yeah. the scenario here, but I don't want to look it up. Yeah. About two. So there's nothing they can do. They have to just tough it out. No, we felt there was nothing they could do. Did we miss something, Dave? Well, they need um, to stay in cover, right? That's really what... Or bring the tanks on when it's uh, dusk, like yes, they were talking right. about. Yeah, that one, that's what Howard, he suggested. He says, wait till dusk and, you know, run the tanks up there right away then. Uh, yeah. Because that... You can't really stop the German, but you can wait till that very last moment and then drop all the tanks there. Yeah, because then if he's using the Stukas just to attack infantry, and if the infantry presumably are in plus three buildings, it's not going to be quite as bad. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we changed crazy the fun, we crazy changed fun. <laughs> well, no, it's air support. And now, area target type. May a bomb attack using the aerial target type. Area target type at half firepower. I believe it can, yeah. I think so, yeah. Yes, yeah. it can. And all in-line-of-sight ground units in the target hex are affected if it's hit, because it's an area target type. Right. And there's why I made my one note, with the same die roll, different TEM. Oh, I see. I felt that needed to be added there. I would never remember that. Yeah. Most of these are same die roll, but different TEM here on the area. Here on the area, yeah. Jettison. What does jettison mean? Jettison the bombs. Dave? Mm-hmm. <laughs> a plane may jettison them during its own movement phase to improve its chances in aerial. I will assume so. It doesn't mean that pilot is going to jettison. <laughs> Probably. It's George Jettison. Yeah. Meet George Jettison. His boy, Elroy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I used to play a, a computer video game called Battlefield 1942. Ah, yes. And I I really liked the game, but I was not very good at flying the planes because you because I'd get all lined up, I'd come I'd be coming in for my run, I'd be getting ready to drop my bomb, and I would accidentally hit the eject button. Oh no! And so instead of dropping the bomb, suddenly I'm Flying out of the plane. Eject button? Yeah. They had an eject button? Well, you get out of the plane. You exit the vehicle. I don't remember doing that. Yeah. I just usually crashed. 
Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, to get I, come up. <laughs> I get too close. Yeah, that was a very fun game, but I found myself many times parachuting, jettisoned. Yeah. Anyway, jettisoning. Yes. Well, you can you can? What does it do for you? Improves your chances in aerial combat. In ah, a dog okay, okay. In a dogfight in the yeah. air. What time are we at, Jeffrey? Uh, one twenty. One twenty. Yeah. I think we'll have to do the AA for the next show. Next time. Okay. All right. Well, another great show, and thanks. Thank you guys for coming out again. Yeah. Wow. Enjoyed it. It was yeah. fun. Yeah. I'm very excellent, and thanks everybody for listening, and thank you, Dave, for bringing that excellent quiz show to our attention. We are all smarter. Well, and thanks some of to us Rich and Dave others. for answering all the questions yeah. correctly. Yes. Well, that made things a lot easier. <laughs> asking yeah. those questions. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks, everybody, for listening. We hope you'll join us again next time for another episode. But until then, remember to roll low. And rally well. But, but not, not when, when you're, you're playing, playing us. us. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. See you later. Bye. remember some of the rules because they were just so outlandish. I couldn't believe them, and they just sort of stuck in my mind. Like the one about uh, you get no cover with uh, a wall or, or anything. Yeah, like that. I, just, yeah, I always I would, thought you did. I played Russell Sprung in... Uh, I guess the wall's so short. Two on two, and Russell Sprung has a lot of flames in it.